Let's um, pray before we consider this beautiful passage of Scripture further together. Heavenly Father, uh, this passage is familiar to all of us, um, and so we do pray that we would not uh, let this familiarity uh, cause us to skate over some of the beautiful truths that it encompasses. Please, we pray. Uh, May this psalm speak to each of us this morning, and may we be blessed through it afresh, we ask. Amen. The 4th of February this year is a date which I would be in great danger of forgetting the significance of it, because 10 years prior to that, I put this ring on my finger, and I got married to Tracy, and you all know the perils, if you're married, of forgetting your anniversary. Uh, We were talking last night about those early days when we first met and how the relationship developed. But it's one thing looking back to when a relationship develops, but we also need to then ask, and I need to ask, what is the state of my relationship today with my wife? Uh, What is it like in daily life? What is the reality? And that is a question we also need to ask ourselves when it comes to the spiritual realm of our lives. We don't just need to look back to when we first came to know the Lord, if we're a Christian, but also to look at how our relationship is today. What does it mean for God to be our God today? How would you describe our relationship with him? Well, in Psalm 23, David gives us his answer to that question. Psalm 23 verse 1, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. You see what he's saying? This is what it means to him in his daily life. This was his experience as king of Israel. Uh, It was his experience as an Old Testament believer. And of course, for New Testament people who have put their trust in Christ, that also is our experience too. Uh, If you're not a Christian here today, then this will give you a window into what it means to be a Christian, what Christian experience is like. And for those of us who are, it will help us to appreciate the deep blessing of what we have as Christian people, to know the Lord in this incredible way. And it will encourage us to cultivate this relationship deeper, to dig deeper in that relationship. So what did knowing the Lord mean to David? Uh, When we look throughout the Psalms, we see that David describes his relationship with God in numerous different ways, often reflecting on God's majesty and his power. Uh, He describes him, doesn't he, as um, my king. He describes God as my rock, uh, my light, my salvation, my fortress. And we have this, he's drawing on this fact that God is mighty uh, and he is powerful and majestic. But when we come to Psalm 23, it is a different emphasis entirely. It is personal. He speaks, of course, of God in terms of being a shepherd. It's a close relationship. And David pictures himself as being a sheep. And the psalm, of course, is full of of eyes and me's. It's very close. It's very intimate. The Lord is is my shepherd, uh, the one who guides me, the one who provides for me every day. And that is a staggering truth, which is true for everybody who has put their faith in Christ. 
it's easy to gloss over the magnitude of that statement. If we go outside on a dark night, especially in the country, and you look up at the skies and you see the myriad stars and you get a slight appreciation for the vastness of the universe. And then we think, God made all of that, the vast universe. But then, when we realize how vast the universe is, the incredible truth comes home. The creator of all of that personally cares for little, little me. The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that absolutely staggering? Is that your experience? If someone asked you, what does God mean to you, what would you say? Would you say, the Lord is my shepherd? Because this is what the heart of uh, being a Christian actually means. It's all about coming to know God personally. If we look out into the world, what do we see in terms of other religions? Uh, There is no concept of knowing God personally in this way. It's an astonishing thing. If you speak to a secular person uh, who actually believes in God, uh, then they'll say at best that God is some distant figure who rules the universe, but they would never think of him as a close personal friend. The Christian's testimony is this. The God who has made the vast universe sustains and cares for me. And he walks with me every day of our lives. And so therefore we see, don't we, being a Christian is not just about believing a set of beliefs. It's about something personal. It's about a relationship with our creator. And it's a wonderful, precious truth of the Christian faith. When we fast forward from the Old Testament to the New, we see this whole theme of God being our shepherd being developed in a dramatic way because, of course, Jesus comes onto the scene and he makes this startling statement, I am the good shepherd. And, of course, it doesn't stop there because he says, and I, as the good shepherd, will lay down my life for the sheep. I don't know if you've read any of the books by the Christian author Philip Keller. Uh, He is a wonderful godly man who is now uh, with the Lord. He died in the 1970s. He grew up in uh, East Africa uh, in the early 20th century, uh, and he was surrounded there by um, native herders with their flocks. Uh, Later in life, he himself uh, made his living for eight years as a sheep owner and a sheep rancher. And then in his later years, when he had come to faith, in Christ, uh, he wrote now, uh, reflecting on his experience as a, a sheep rancher, on this psalm. And he entitled his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's a very good read. And in his book, he recalls uh, the purchase of his first flock. He recounts how um, he had lived uh, and worked hard during the, uh, the grinding years of the Depression in the late 1920s and early 1930s. And uh, he had scraped together uh, his money. It had caused, you know, he'd sweated uh, blood and tears in earning this money and had saved up his money. And finally he was in a position to buy his first flock of sheep. And he comments, uh, Because I had scraped and saved and sweated blood for so many years to save this money, I felt in a special way that these sheep were in truth part of me and I a part of them. There was an intimate identity between me and them, which made these 30 ewes exceedingly precious to me. And indeed, 
throughout the book. He reflects on his experience of a shepherd over these sheep, these 30 ewes, and how he cared for them and everything that was involved in caring for these sheep. He loved them dearly, but he went to great, great lengths to care for them and to watch over them and to protect them. And he then summarizes the Psalm 23 and said it's all about the diligence of God caring for his people. God is a diligent shepherd and he cares for his people and he watches over them and provides everything they need. And that is his summary of Psalm 23. And therefore, you see, Philip Keller's experience of how he loved those sheep and how they were dearly bought in some pale way points us to the deeper truth of the gospel. Because, of course, it points ultimately to the relationship of Christ with his people. Christ is our good shepherd, and he has bought us at great personal cost. He sweated blood and tears. He ultimately gave up his life for us. He bought us ultimately with his own body. And it follows, therefore, that he loves us deeply, and he cares for us magnificently. So as we now come back to the Psalm 23, we're going to ask this question. What difference does it make in my daily life to know Jesus as my good shepherd? What difference does it make for us? Well, firstly, we see this. Firstly, it means the Lord equips me. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. What does it mean when he says, I shall not be in want? Uh, Does it mean that we will never experience any material need or any hardship under the shepherd's care? It cannot mean that, and it does not mean that. Uh, Do Christians sometimes suffer unemployment? Yes, they do. Do Christians sometimes battle with pain and illness? Yes, they do. Do Christians sometimes find that there is still month left at the end of the money? Yes, they do. Uh, David himself didn't write these words in an ivory tower. Of course, David himself had experienced plenty of hardships in his life. As you will know, twice he had to flee for his life. Uh, Firstly, uh, from the forces of the jealous King Saul. And secondly, from the forces of his estranged son, Absalom. And therefore, David knew what it was like to be in situations of hardship. And many of his psalms are written in situations of great deep distress and anguish of spirit. Psalm 22, verse 16, he says, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. Psalm 31, verse 9, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. So you see, of course, David is not saying that the life of the believer is easy. That the the believer has no needs. Rather, what he's saying is this. In every circumstance in which we find us, God knows what we need and he will provide what we need in that circumstance. In other words, we will not want for anything that God determines is for our best in that time 
and in that circumstance. Uh, as David will say in Psalm 34, verse 9, at a time when he was on the run uh, in fear for his life, those who fear him lack nothing. Friends, this is a beautiful truth, and it carries a wonderful implication for our lives as believers. And the word, in a word, it is this, uh, contentment. As the Lord's sheep, we can enjoy peace and contentment. That is our right as his sheep. Because we know that as we follow him, our shepherd will provide everything that we need. We will have everything that we need in life. And that means this. We can be completely satisfied with his management of our life and our affairs. He cares for us. He watches over us. And we don't need to worry about tomorrow because it is in his hands. And therefore I ask you the question today, are you content under the shepherd's care? Uh, Maybe you are somebody who has felt bitter towards God because he hasn't provided everything that you have wanted. Maybe you feel let down because this or that has happened or hasn't happened as you had hoped. Maybe you've lost sight of this precious truth. Christ is your loving and wise shepherd and he will provide everything that is needed for your welfare. And therefore, maybe for some of us today, this psalm encourages us to reaffirm our trust in the Lord as our shepherd. He knows what is best for us and he will make sure that we have everything that we need. So firstly, therefore, The Lord equips us. Secondly, he feeds us. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. A sheep lying down in green pastures and being led beside quiet waters, it's speaking firstly of rest, of lying down, of resting. David is picturing here his experience of finding rest for his soul, that inner peace through knowing the Lord. And that is our Christian experience too. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in Jesus, of course, we find rest for our souls. Uh, When we're feeling restless, when we're feeling not at peace, it may be a sign that we're wandering away from the shepherd. It may be a prompter to come back to him and to ask him to help us to rest again in his care, to ask him to lead us beside quiet water. So this picture speaks of rest, but it also speaks of food and drink. For sheep, of course, green pasture is that food and the still water is the drink. And David is testifying as to how the Lord feeds his soul and sustains him spiritually. And so, for us, as we follow Jesus, he not only gives us spiritual life, but he sustains our spiritual life. He feeds us spiritually. How does he do that? Well, you recall uh, Jesus said in Matthew 4, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. God's word, the Bible. This is the green pasture we need to feed on and the quiet waters we need to drink. And of course, although the shepherd can lead us to those good pastures, it's still up to us to feed on them. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Do you feel spiritually hungry and thirsty this morning? Are you feeding on what the shepherd provides every day? Are you reading his word every day? Are you thinking about it, meditating on it, praying on it? Is it feeding and nourishing your soul? You will know, of course, of uh, uh, the great Christian man George Muller, uh, who lived in the 19th century and cared, a great man of God who cared and had a wonderful ministry for uh, orphans in the UK in Bristol. He was an incredible man of faith, uh, of prayer, but also a man who dug deeply into God's word. And uh, I quote uh, to you from him, and he says this. I saw that the most important thing I had to do every day was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditate on it. What is the food of the inner person? It is the word of God. And not just reading it. The simple reading of God's word is one thing, but also mulling on it, digging down on it, meditating on it. I don't want God's word just to pass through my mind as water runs through a pipe. I want to consider it, I want to ponder it, and I want to apply it to my heart. Do you see? Great man of God. And yet he recognized the importance of reading God's word, but also meditating on it, ruminating on it, just as a sheep does. Digging down, let it refresh his soul every day. Friends, our lives get very busy, do they not? Uh, We all struggle, do we not, to find that time to spend in God's word and to pray to him. And yet it is God's green pasture which nourishes our soul and then sustains us through the day and prepares us for whatever lies ahead that day. And therefore it's an encouragement to us to come back to God's word each day. Difficult though it be to carve out that time. Uh, Revelation uh, chapter 7 verse 16 says of God's people in the age to come, Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. For the Lamb will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water. What a beautiful picture of perfectly being fed in the new creation. No longer having any spiritual hunger. Being able to see God face to face. Being in his presence every day. And enjoying that life as life was truly meant to be. But the point is this, the taste of that is not just for then, we also can have it now. And that is why God gives us his word, to feed us spiritually, to give us something now of what we will experience in full then. How many of God's people are spiritually weak and sick? How many of the Lord's sheep are spiritually hungry and thirsty? How many are spiritually scrawny and undernourished? All because they do not feed on the green pasture of his word and drink from the deep streams. So, firstly, the good shepherd equips us. Secondly, he feeds us. And thirdly, he restores us. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. The Lord is our shepherd, our good shepherd, and he wonderfully watches over our lives and he restores us, he leads us on the right path in life. There are times, of course, when sheep as sheep, we wander from the right path. Uh, we do make mistakes. Our hearts can grow cool and we can become spiritually cast down. We can wander from his ways. We can make mistakes. And David, of course, King David was no stranger to this. Uh, remember, he made some, of, uh, some huge mistakes, uh, consumed by lust. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. And then he arranged, of course, for her husband to be killed in battle. And when God confronts David finally through the prophet Nathan, David finally comes to his senses. And David is grief-stricken when he sees how he, as the great king of God's people, has wandered from the way of God, from the, the paths of righteousness. And what does he do? He cries out. He cries out, please God, restore me. Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And therefore God wonderfully and tenderly restores us when we've wandered from his way and when we come back to him and plead for him to do so. And that is what God is committed to doing. He is committed to keeping us on the path of righteousness, to bringing us back. And the Lord leads us. He leads us by his word, the Bible. And he leads us by his spirit, which he has placed in our hearts. Ezekiel 36 uh, looks from an Old Testament perspective to what we now enjoy as New Testament believers. God promised this in the Old Testament era. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. That is the privilege we have as New Testament people. The Spirit indwells us. The Spirit leads us and the Spirit prompts us. The Spirit, of course, will never lead us to do something that, his, that God's Word tells us not to do. The Spirit and the Word, they wonderfully work together. You could say they are the dream team. They work together to guide us on the right path. And therefore God is committed as the Good Shepherd to keep us on the right path. He uses his word. He uses his spirit. He also uses his, our consciences sometimes to bring us back, to speak to us. He may use our circumstances to discipline us. And he may use our friends to exhort us. Whatever it takes, the Lord is committed to our welfare, to keeping us on the right path in life. And indeed, if you recognise today that you have strayed from the Lord, there is this encouragement of the Psalms. Come back to him. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says this. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servants. Sometimes in our sinful ways as sheep, we say, we know what is best for us. We decide our own way to go and we wander off. And yet by grace, God says, no, I know the best way for you and I'm going to bring you back to that for your sake and ultimately for my glory. And that is what he does. So in conclusion, 
The Lord is the good shepherd. And the first question we need to ask, therefore, is this. Is Christ your good shepherd? Uh, Psalm 23 is probably the most familiar passage in the Bible. Uh, Many people would claim its comfort for themselves. And that yet not all people can legitimately claim the comfort that it offers. I recall in a previous church in which I worked, uh, visiting a gentleman who had been in the church for many, many years, 20 or 30 years. Uh, he'd done a lot of good work in the church. Uh, he was a, uh, an architect and he'd used his skills uh, to redesign some aspects of the church and to redesign uh, its logo. Uh, In many ways, he'd poured his life into the life of the church. Uh, He was in the the very dusk of his life. He was uh, in his late 70s, but he was very, very sick. And I visited him at home, uh, and he loved me to read the the Psalms to him. And so I read to him Psalm 23. And at the end of that, I said to him, Is Jesus your shepherd? Because that is the comfort you can have. And at that point, he said to me, No, Jesus is my shepherd. I don't need Jesus. This psalm is a great comfort to me, but I've got no need of Jesus. It was such an incredible shock that this man who had been in the church for so many years, been so involved in the church, was in a a sense still stuck in the Old Testament. He hadn't seen where Psalm 23 pointed. And he hadn't personally bowed the knee before the Lord Jesus as his good shepherd. And I implored him, David, You are not ready to meet God tonight. If you were to die tonight, you would not be ready to meet God. You need to trust Jesus as your good shepherd. And therefore I need to ask each of you, are you trusting Jesus as your good shepherd? Because he is the good shepherd, but he is the one who laid down his life for his sheep. And we only become one of his sheep when we come to him in humble faith. The Bible tells us that all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And it is only Jesus, the good shepherd, who can bring us back to God. And he only can do that through, of course, the cross. For on the cross he pays the price for wayward sheep. And he calls us now to put our faith in him. Uh, Tragically, It was the very religious people in Jesus' day who refused to come to him, the good shepherd, as their good shepherd. They refused to come to him in humble faith. They, like David, my friend, in that previous church, assumed that Psalm 23 already applied to them. They didn't believe in Jesus, and they refused to listen to his call on their lives. And to them... Jesus had these sobering words in John 10. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And therefore, the good shepherd invites you to enter the fold. And Jesus says, ask me to become your good shepherd. And when we do that, that wonderful truth becomes true for us personally. 
A child can do it. And a child can then enjoy that security that comes from knowing that Jesus is his or her good shepherd. Uh, the true story is told of a Sunday school teacher who was visiting a young boy from his class who was uh, terminally ill, tragically, and was in hospital. Uh, towards the end of the visit, uh, the teacher said to him, Remember, the Lord is your shepherd. And to help him remember this precious truth, uh, the teacher asked the little boy to hold up his five, his five fingers. And he pointed to each finger in turn. And he said to the boy, repeat after me, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he asked the boy to repeat that in turn. And when the little boy got to his fourth finger, he grabbed the finger and he said, with words which were barely audible, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And the next morning, the little boy didn't wake up. But his parents found his chubby little hand holding his fourth finger. And truly in death, the Lord was his shepherd. For those who have trusted in Christ as their good shepherd, what a priceless privilege we share. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a beautiful truth. He walks with us every day. He cares for us. He watches over us. And therefore, this psalm says, dig deeper. Cultivate that beautiful relationship. Enjoy the care of the shepherd. And as we move into this new year, let's stay close to him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful psalm which encompasses such beautiful truths. I thank you that through our trust in Christ, this truth becomes true for each of us personally. The Lord is my shepherd. Help us to delight in that truth. Help us to be nourished by that truth. Help us to exercise that trust which that truth encourages us to do every step of the way and every day of this new year as we enter 2016. And we pray we'd do that, ultimately for our sake and for your sake. Amen.